Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go! Hi friends, it's your host, Bryn. Welcome to Bryn Moves, the podcast. I'm a certified integrative nutrition health coach, yoga instructor, dancer, and wellness entrepreneur. Let's go! I'm on a serious but super fun mission to inspire and empower lives. We're here to chat about wellness and fitness, as well as some tools for shifting your mindset so you can live your best. I hope you feel motivated to dive into your own unique and powerful wellness journey after listening in. So whether you're listening from your car, on a walk, food prepping, or putting on your makeup, turn up the volume and tune in for some serious motivation and inspiration. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Bryn Moves, the podcast special guest episode today with my beautiful and amazing and super smart and cool friend, Portia Wood. Welcome, Portia. Hey, Bryn. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you could finally come on the show. Um, We should have done this a long time ago, but I'm glad that you're here today. Um, Portia is a generational wealth planning attorney. She's also a badass friend, um, a really great mom to a small boy (laughs) who's so cute. We love him. And, um, you know, she is such a cool person and is great at sharing what she is so knowledgeable about and really... um, inspiring, you know, families to have great family planning and set their kids up for future success. Um, And then, you know, I also obviously want you to share today about your experience, like raising your own baby and just being a mom and being an an entrepreneur and a, and a hardworking woman at the same time. Um, Cause I know a lot of moms and women are balancing that, you know, finding a way to be a great mom (laughs) and show up presently for your child while also like getting to show up for yourself, your career, like build your stuff too, and not lose sight of what you've worked so hard for before your baby came. So (laughs) um, I'm excited for you to be here and just, uh, can you start by sharing with everyone like a little of your story, like who you are and kind of how you got here and got started and what you're really passionate about doing now? Yeah. So my name is Portia Wood. Um, on TikTok, people call me their favorite generational wealth planning attorney. Uh, but I really focus on educating and activating women and people of color, people from historically marginalized communities that haven't had access to multi-generational wealth building or planning. Um, so really encouraging us to take ownership over our finances and our families and really stewarding them forward. So I'm excited to be here with you as we encourage and support women in their financial journeys and in their family journeys. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what your personal life and business look like as far as, you know, share a little bit about your your babe, your family, your um, your career, and like how you got to where you are in your career too. Yeah, sure. So I am a solo parent to a five-year-old little boy who is a big part of my inspiration, as you know, right, for um, really focusing on, on moms as well as people with minor kids because it is so near and dear to my heart. Um, I get to work in this business with my mother. So we are a female-led, multi-generational uh, black woman law firm that uh, is kicking butt. There are not, there are very few firms in the entire country that can say that. So I'm really excited that we get to do this together because not only do we talk about it and teach about it, uh, but we also live it. So we're, we're living our our testimony here. Um, yeah, balancing is not easy, but I find that in in taking ownership over the space right, which is historically a masculine dominated space of of the law, Um, really taking ownership over that and making it my own, providing that value that only really women can do, right, that softness um, has really changed the landscape for the kind of work that we do. It's very intentional. It's very heart led versus, um, you know, in some in some other practices where it is very uh, sort of static or you know, very mechanical. Uh, we have a very heart-led, heart-centered practice that we, you know, we call our clients, our family, our extended family. We bring them in and then mm. we hold on to them <laughs> we, and we keep them with us uh, for years. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a fun journey. 
I love that. I love the the connection and the word heart led and that feeling of like if if I were, you know, to be looking for someone to work with, I would want to choose women who are nurturing and smart like you and then also that like lead their business with the word heart led because I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to be taken care of yeah. here. This isn't just a job. We're not just going through the motions. This isn't just for you know, income, this is, you know, it's like you are for your people, like the people who you're helping, the families you're helping, the women you're supporting, the families that you're teaching, um, you're, you're actually educating them. You're taking your time with them. And like, obviously I always teach that, like lead with your heart, lead with your heart. So I love that you get to do that, not just in parenting, but also in your career Mm -hmm. while still having a super successful and awesome and professional career it's like hello people we can be both and like we can be heart-led and nurturing and bring in that feminine aspect while also um you know having the the structure and the and being able to support your clients um and give them the best you know that they deserve so oh, i yeah. love that brand i mean you know it right in so many industries the messaging has always been that women need to adapt to what the dominant culture looks like Right. What is yeah. a, what does a lawyer look like? Well, you're you're wearing yeah. a suit, right? You're you're yeah. You're, and and in in some courtrooms, when I was a a baby lawyer, you know, the judges wouldn't even talk to the female attorneys if you weren't wearing a skirt suit and pantyhose, and it was just old school traditional like that. I mean, they wouldn't even wow. acknowledge you, um, which is crazy to say that that person was still on the bench, and you know the <laughs> in the you know the two thousands. I'm not going to date myself, but. Um, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm older than I look people, but, um, but you know, there's so much about how women need to conform themselves and hide the feminine aspects of themselves, or at least we're, we're told that to enter into these different spaces that are very masculine led. And I did that for a really long time. And I found that it was burning me out, right? I could not maintain this facade of of I'm just going to do things in this sort of sterile mechanical way that doesn't yeah. have the heart-centered focus. I'm like, that's not why I became a lawyer. This is not why I I, I wanted to do this work or I pursued this path. And it wasn't yes. until I accepted that I could succeed on my own and that I could trust myself, that I didn't need to trust someone else, that I could trust myself enough, that I was smart enough, that I was good enough, that I was capable enough, um, and that I could succeed by doing it differently. And yes. my son was a very big motivator in that because when he came along, I was like, I can't stay in this space and not be true to myself and steward this child to be true to himself when I when I am not living that in, in practice. And yes. so it sort of, it took wow. this whole shift. Plus as a solo parent, taking ownership over my time so that I would be able to be the kind of parent that I wanted to be that wasn't beholden to the the strict structure um, that our society has sort of dictated for us, right? The 80 right. hour, 100 hour work week that is supposed to be right. the cultural norm for lawyers. I was like, I don't think you right. have to do that to be effective. And, and right. you know, five years later, we're still proving that every day that you can do it differently and still be um you can do it true to you and be and still be successful so oh i love that and like what a what an incredible like uh example to you know any women who are just starting their career um because you're like hey i had to figure out the lay of the land first and you're like i was once you said a baby lawyer <laughs> and figuring it out and seeing what there was to like in that space already and then kind of paving your own path and being like and now i'm going to figure out how i'm going to do it my way like i can still do this i can be successful I can reach my goal of helping people. Um, but, but also like I can have, you know, all the things that I want in that, you know, I can have a family and I 
don't have to work 80 hours and you get to travel a lot. I know you, you travel a lot, (laughs) you know? And so it's like, you know, that's incredible that you got to have the bravery and then um, the courage to like reach a point where you're like, I'm going to work the way that is really true to me, true to my heart. And then things start to fall into place, right? It's like that Dharma, that life's purpose, you know? And when we're really following that, then things, other things start to come in and line up because, uh, we're, we're following, you know, what our universe opens doors. Yeah. The universe opens doors. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that it was all flowers and roses, right? Like it was not all rainbows and unicorns and, and it wasn't, it was hard work. And in the very beginning it was difficult. And there were tons of times when I was like, maybe it would be easier if I just went back to an office, right? Like I could get a consistent paycheck. I could do these things it would be easier. And that was fear, right? Like that yeah. was fear of yeah. maybe, maybe I didn't make the right choice. What am I doing? I've got this kid at home. And in the beginning, to be perfectly honest, you sacrifice a lot. Um, you yeah. sacrifice, you know, a lot of your friendships because there's just enough, not enough time in the day to do everything. And so, you know, I found that if you wanted to get really focused on your goals, and what you were trying to achieve or what I was trying to achieve, I had to sort of hunker down and be like, okay, here's my my child and my family and here's my business. And like, you know, I'm, I'm not a great friend right now. And 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 I I hate that about myself, right? Like I hate that I can't <laughs> be the present friend that, I, that I've historically always been. But like, if I don't give this everything I've got, like I won't reach that point where it then functions, right? And now five years later, it's sort of coming out of this space and of where it's like grind, grind, grind. We've got, you know, people who work on our teams now and we've got all this other stuff. You know, I employ people now. It's one of those things where it's like, it's built itself to such a place that now I can step back and say, oh, I finally have some more time to like sit and see people, some more time to do stuff. And, And there's a saying, you know, work really, really hard right now so that you can live the life you want forever, right? Make those sacrifices now Um, or enjoy the pleasures now and it'll be hard later. What what are the other, right? I always call it, um, yeah, yeah, pick your heart. I always call it short-term sacrifice for long-term gain or like sometimes I like to exchange the word sacrifice for exchanges. So instead of saying Mm. like, I'm sacrificing so much, I'll be like, you're going to make exchanges, you know, or I'm going to make these exchanges. There were times when I, you know, you just reminded me when I was building um, my network marketing business, when I first like started doing that um, alongside teaching fitness and stuff, because I was in a place where I was like, I can't teach any more hot (laughs) yoga classes or dance classes. Like I had hit a ceiling. I was in adrenal fatigue, total burnout, like Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking of my future, right? Like what you were saying, okay, this is really cool. But like, how would I ever have a baby or how would I yeah. ever like, how am I ever going to make more money? Like there were all these things that I was like, I'm yeah. like, I've hit a ceiling here. So I started building, you know, that business, which led into my health coaching and my wellness business and, you know, everything I do today and yeah. podcasts. But like, you know, like you said, you have to start somewhere. And I was making a lot of you know, what people call sacrifices, but I, I, I like to swap out the word and be like, I was making exchanges because it was a Definitely. choice. Like I was doing it to build something for myself, for my future, for my future family, um, to help me be able to be present, to help me be able to be healthy because I was in a place where like mentally and physically, I was just like slowly draining the, the battery, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and we can, we can push and we can grind, like you said, for like, a certain time knowing I'm building something that's going to like last me a lifetime or that's going to like help set me free later. That's going to um, build a strong foundation for me to like grow off of. And so, yeah. and then, like you said, you start to hire other people to do the other stuff so that you're like, I'm working smarter now, not harder. Right. Like we're yeah. using our tools to do what we do best. And then like kind of, you know, sourcing the rest. And I know you're always on me about, did you hire your virtual assistant? <laughs> Thank you it's for the inspiration. So true, but you know, it's one of those things where it's so true. We as yeah. women tend to mm-hmm. take on so much, 
right? We, we were given this messaging, you know, that we can do it all. We can burn the candle at both ends. We, you know, can rock it in the corporate world and still manage a home at, on, on, the, on the other side and have dinner on the table. And then these constant expectations that are just so unrealistic <laughs> to real life. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, yeah. a speech and I think it was Shonda Rhimes. She was speaking at a, at a commencement and it was so correct. They were like, how do you do it all? How do you, how do you, how are you such a great mom and writing all these shows? And she was like, I don't. She was like, there are, as you mentioned, exchanges that happen when I am killing it at work. And, you know, we're in the writer's room and we're there for 18 and 20 hours a day. I have invariably, you know, exchanged that time that I would have had with my children and they're now with babysitters or something else. So I'm not a, a super present parent in that day but there's balances because I was able to do this and be really fulfilled when I had the time with my children and I came home, they saw a fully fulfilled person that was going after their dreams. That was incredibly present for them that prioritized them and made time. She was like, but nobody does it all. And that's a myth. And when we try to do it all, we end up just draining ourselves, right? Working yeah. smarter, not harder is figuring out where are the spaces that you can be supported where are the things? And I think as women, we often don't think that we deserve it or that it's failing in our womanhood to, to seek out help. It's not, yes. but let me be very clear. I have someone who cooks. Yes. I was like, I can't work a full day and have dinner ready by the time my son gets home and, and like in the, the time span. So I was like, well, what do I, what's, what's the priority? Good, healthy meals. I don't want to, I don't want to be pulling, you know, fast food or anything like that. So what did I do? Yeah. I hired, I hired a chef. I just like made the yeah. decision to hire a chef and they, and they cook really healthy meals for us. And so we get to eat yeah. really well. And it was so much Heck less yeah. money than I thought it was going to be. I was like fully yeah. expecting it was going to be incredibly expensive. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. they grocery shop. So now I don't have that time um, constraint. Yeah. She cooks, she, you know, brings everything over. It's all ready to go. And it actually costs me significantly less than eating out did and grocery shopping on my own. And we, Eating and there's so much less waste, right? And, yes. and I sit here and now I'm like, and I have all this time back. All of a sudden yeah. I just have all of this time back, you know, calling yeah. someone to help clean my house. I love having a clean house, but I don't have hours in a day to sit around and clean. So I had to yeah. make an exchange and say, okay, well, what makes the most sense? What is the cost of my time? And yeah. is that activity something that I can outsource and get that time back yeah. in a different way? And I think as women, yeah. we oftentimes don't seek out that kind of help either because we think it's too expensive or that we should be able to do it. No, mm -mm. do it. Yeah. Right? Re even if you stay at home, even if you're a stay at home mom and that's just your job, everybody needs help. Support. Right? Yeah. And, and deserves it. I love that you said sometimes women feel like they don't deserve it. I love that you made that comment because it's like, yeah, sometimes that's the biggest piece is that we're like, we have this whole story about what it means about us to seek extra support or help. Yeah. And the fact that some of us are so in our way of getting that extra support and help is purely what's holding us back. <laughs> it's so true though. I mean, it's so true. And, and now let's not think like if the economics aren't there or, or something like that, then that's a different story. But what I found through the budgeting process was that it actually cost me less to get, um, to have someone cook my food for me, right? It costs less. So I actually ended up saving money. It cost me less to have someone come in and clean my house because I was able to get extra hours of work in, which meant I could generate more right? Or yeah. I could spend more time with my child or, you know, we, I could sit down and shut down my office and say, I, I don't have any calls after 4.30 and I get to just be a fully present parent because my son is home and I don't have to be running around trying to do the dishes or clean the house or do all of these things. The amount of connection that I was able to get back by making these changes and saying, Hey, it is, I'm not superwoman. I can't burn the candles at all ends. I can't not fill myself back up because it, I cannot pour from an empty cup. So what are yes. the, the small things that need to get done that don't necessarily need to be done by me? Yes. So, and, and I think as women, we, we don't necessarily have that conversation with ourselves to say, yeah. what are the small things? It's just an expectation.
Yeah. But then look at all the stuff that you are doing overall that to me makes you look like superwoman. (laughs) You know, like you're like, I'm not superwoman. And I was like, yeah, you are. Like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I get what you're saying about like, don't burn the candle at both ends. Um, But then when you recognize that and you recognize your worth and your value and your level of deservingness and asking for support, outsourcing the work, making exchanges, figuring it out and not just running yourself into the ground, then I think a lot of people watch you and probably wonder, how does this woman, right? They look at you and say, how does this woman do it all? And I love that you're kind of sharing the <laughs> the background or like the secret sauce, which like isn't that secret sauce, which is, hey, I ask for support. I ask for help. I figure yeah. out what where my best like time is spent and, yeah. and energy. And then I and then I, you know, get the rest sorted out and and get the support I, I deserve and need so that I can be an awesome, um, you know, successful woman in my career and be a great parent and, you know, find time to travel and, you know, then continue to step in and take care of myself. And so I think a lot of people look at women like you who are successful and wonder, how is she doing this and not just <laughs> ripping her hair out and burning it to the ground? Now, are there days where like, you probably want to like, you 100%. know, just put your face in the pillow and <laughs> cry or you do like or just scream really, 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 really loud. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. All of us do, yeah. right? There's no perfect day yeah. and it's still a process, right? There are still certain mm-hmm. things that I have not prioritized for myself, like working out brand. I promise I'm coming back to the tip. <laughs> um, but you know, things that, things that I haven't prioritized that I'm relearning how to prioritize myself. There's so much head trash that we get as, as women in the society about who we're supposed to be and how, um, that just, it's, it's like, you have to be, you're in a cult. You have to be reprogrammed in your mind to be able to say that you are enough just as you are and that you deserve that priority. And that's not just women in corporate or, you know, people who are trying to balance both or women who, who work in the home, right? It's all of us, all of us need that. Yeah. And all of us need to reframe um, our value proposition, right? Who we yes. are and, and understanding our value because everybody has, has incredible value and deserves that support. So I know yeah. we talked a lot about career women, but I wanna say to the, to the women who also stay at home and raise their families, that same kind of support works goes for you too. Yes. <laughs> that, you know, some people really love to cook and and that's great. And they have the time to do it. That's wonderful. But that doesn't mean that you can't have someone come in and deep clean your house. Your whole day doesn't have to be committed to that. And that can give you free time to go do other important things in your life, volunteer work, working at your Mm -hmm. kid's school, starting a a business, right? Working out. Yeah. Like a side hustle or something. And anything. But the idea that we have to be imprisoned into these these cultural norms of, of gender roles. Yeah. Um, that's shifted. This is a new generation, baby. <laughs> I, I love it. I've been watching a lot of videos lately on social um, where they're talking about that, like the stay-at-home mom and the role. And, you know, um, one of them was talking about, like, you know, once the dad comes home from work, it's like they can work together in the evening, right. you know, or their, their partner. And it's like, you're you nobody works for 24 hours a day so it's like same with the stay-at-home mom and I watched another one that was talking about how much you would pay for child care and support if that mom didn't stay at home mm-hmm. and so sure you could go get a job you know and be a career woman but then also you are going to be paying someone to watch your kids all day long um so that woman who's staying home and is the stay-at-home mom is of great value because hello, if she wasn't there, you'd be paying somebody else to about a hundred thousand dollar job. It's about it's a, a lot. it's about a hundred thousand. I mean, it's a six figure job, right? If you had to yeah, pay a housekeeper, wow. if you had to pay babysitters, if you needed to pay someone to drive your kids to and from school and activities, etc. If you needed someone to cook for you, if you had to put all of those pieces together on a daily basis, no breaks off, no six days, etc. You're at well over a hundred thousand dollars in terms of what that would cost you on the open market, um, and so it's valuable to a family, um, any family, because if you can't afford to pay that, then you also can't afford to work the way that you used to. Yeah, 
It's why we exactly. see men typically get remarried in about two years after getting divorced. <laughs> They're like, I can't do this by myself. Like, ah, I need somebody else to yeah. come in and be part of this. Yes. But, 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 but typically on average, after, um, you know, after a spouse passes away or a divorce, men are typically remarried within about two years. And generally it's because wow. they don't know how to manage themselves <laughs> independently. Um, <laughs> But but also, you know, uh-huh. they realize that they have to work and that they need someone who can do the other stuff, yeah. the social calendars, um, et cetera. And if there's children involved as well, then helping with kids and, and all of these things, because they can't change or, or typically don't change their career trajectory and how they work to accommodate the family. It's not it's not typically as socially acceptable. And so you see that they end up getting remarried. We do a lot of this yeah. work in our in our office in terms of generational wealth planning is really protecting families from, you know, incidents like death or incapacity where people might get remarried or the assets of the estate that are there need to be protected for the benefit of those kids. So, mm. you know, there's always a lot of instances uh, where this comes right back into the protection of women. We women yeah. typically live about 10 to 15 years longer than our spouses on average. So we tend to be the final determiners of what happens with our family's wealth. And unfortunately, for so many families, women just don't know what's going on with the finances inside of their home. Yeah. So I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to. So when I say we've got to like reframe and, and reclaim our power, it's not just about understanding our personal worth, but it's also making sure that we're taking ownership over our financial health as well Mm. and i know that we don't do that often and i say we as women because there were legal impediments to it right yes the equal not that long ago not that long ago the equal pay act was passed (laughs) in 1963 which required men and women to be paid equally for doing the same work that still isn't truly happening in the workplace, right? But then you yeah. go to 1974, which is where the Equal Credit Opportunity Act came, that said that women could get credit cards in their own names. Up until 1974, we were not legally allowed access to credit. Um, yeah. Even if we had jobs, we needed a husband or a father to sign off on the credit. And it yeah. wasn't until 2016 when all women got access to credit because homemakers who didn't have work needed to, they didn't have an income. We're not able to get credit cards absent, you know, attached to someone with an income, their spouse. Wow. And so it wasn't until 2016 where they said, nope, that's women can get credit cards in their own names. And so when we think about what that means, right, we're still inside of a legal landscape that doesn't protect women you know it's trying i guess but um but where we (laughs) haven't been fully empowered right to to be the masters of our own destiny and so when i think about you know generational wealth planning i'm thinking about how do you provide access and opportunities to your children but also to your daughters if they have a nest egg that's off to the side of something that you've created for them they always have their walking papers they're never going to be stuck in a marriage or that's abusive or anything else because they're not financially dependent. And whether they yeah. choose to work in the home or outside of the home or a combination of the two, having something separate and distinct that's theirs can be incredibly powerful. But yeah. unfortunately for too many American families, we just don't have those protections in place. And so we see these assets being squandered, right? Maybe the family home, maybe a life insurance, you know, retirement account, whatever it might be being squandered in such a way that it's not fully protected for our kids and then it ceases to exist. So yeah. yeah. So you're suggesting that for as women, even if our partner handles our most of the finances for our house and for our family and has everything set up, it's super important that we learn about it anyways. And that's going to be beneficial to our kids, to our future, or like also, what if something happens to your partner, right? Or you're not with them um, yeah, for absolutely. whatever reason, you know, divorce is very common. Um, like, you know, what what do you do then? I would want to be empowered to know, you know, even when um, 
you know, my partner sets things up for me, like my life insurance and my retirement accounts and stuff. I have probably asked a hundred times and he's so patient. (laughs) Sometimes I just don't understand what my accounts are and, and I trust him. So I could just not ask and be like, I'm good. I'm set up. But I like to know, like, what are the rules of this account? If I were to take the money out of here, am I penalized? When am I allowed to take the money out of here? Um, how do taxes work for this? You know, <laughs> do I do I get a tax break for putting money here? What can I do to like save money on taxes? Like, what you know, um, what do I need to be contributing to right now in order to like have the future I want? So a lot of times he focuses on working backwards, you know, and it's like absolutely, yeah, like we have a beautiful home. Like he handles so much of our finances. But I'm also like, hey, what if one day I want to buy a condo on a beach that, you know, like I know, Portia, you own a lot of property. It's like, (laughs) you're always telling me, oh, I bought another house, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like in my mind, I'm like, well, what do I need to do in order to like buy a house, even if my husband could buy it? You know what I mean? And it's like, maybe I want to empower myself, like you said, to be like, what if I want that one day? And I want to know how to set myself up for that. And then, you know, right now I'm pregnant with a baby girl and I'm like, I do want her to be empowered, right? Yeah. For like To know like how to manage herself and her money and be independent while still like, you know, even if her, she has a partner that handles most of the finances, which I think in a lot of households men do, it's still nice to be involved, to understand it, to just have your own knowing, like just like you said, for that basic like empowerment of it and being like, I've got, I've got control over this if I need it, you know? Yeah. I mean, we see women who come in after their spouses have passed away and they've got to gather up so much information, right? Because we've got to administer that estate and, you know, file final tax returns if they're due, et cetera. And, you know, they'll break down crying and like, I don't know. I don't know where this is, or I don't know where this bill is, or I didn't realize that we had taken a second on the house and and just so much stuff that was a part of their life that they just had no concept of. And they're like, I should have been paying more attention or I should have asked more questions and I should not have just assumed. Um, The thing that I say for us, you know, and in my household, granted, I have a son, but he has a custodial account that started the moment he was born, right? As soon as he had a social security number, you know, we were, no, as soon as I knew I was pregnant, I had a custodial account where I was putting money away and investing it. We talk about it every week. You know, we sit down, we look at the account, we see where it goes up, goes down, what, whatever happens with it. We're talking about it because if you make the language of money and finances, just a part of the conversation, the same way you teach them the word for chair, you teach them, you know, an indexed fund, they're going to, it's it's not foreign concepts, right? When we're yeah. older and it's like, oh, that seems so hard. All of this head trash has come in about why it's hard to learn finances. But if we yeah. start when our kids are little and we learn yeah. alongside them and we teach them, it's just a part of the conversation, right? They're like, oh yeah, yeah that's, everybody, everybody talks like that, right? Don't you know the S&P yeah. 500 has returned eight to 10% over the last 20 years? Duh, right? Like, yeah. What's yeah. an asset? You know, I talked to Emerson. I'm like, what's an asset? Yeah. He's like, things that pay you money. I'm right, right. Okay, what's a liability? Things that take your money, right? I mean, it's I basic, love that. but you get yeah. the concept. It's easy enough, right? You know, yeah. why, why do we buy houses? Because they pay us money. Yep. Okay. Do we sell money. houses? Yeah. No, we don't sell houses. Okay. Right. You, you I love that. Like, like it's, you're you're making him like financial. Like you're teaching him financial literacy. Just like you're teaching them how to read a book or do math or science homework. It's like, hello, like, you know, it's, it is so empowering to have financial literacy and we really don't learn it in school. And you know what? A lot of times, um, Iselfie teaches the girls things like about, um, even just like rent or like if you were to buy this building and it had this many units, what is it considered or what, you know, and all these same kind of things you're talking about, you know, buying houses, um, being a landlord or like owning a building. And then if you were to rent out apartments, like, you know, all the little different things that I never, ever learned. And so I'll kind of sit in the kitchen and listen and pretend I'm sitting there like, the kids probably think I know also and that we're quizzing them or something. And really, (laughs) 
I'm like, I'm going to pretend like I'm organizing the cupboard, but really I'm actually listening and learning too, because I know he's teaching the kids, but I actually didn't ever learn a lot of right. You're like, stuff. I didn't know that and either. So, yeah. So as the kids are learning, I'm also learning. So I like you said, I like how you said learning alongside them, because for some of us, that's what we're doing. And, you know, I do feel like I have so much more to learn in this space. And I've always been kind of intimidated by it. Um, the word wealth, the words generational wealth, like all of that stuff that talking about money, um, it, it, a lot of it, um, feels intimidating to me. And I feel like it's because, I've been on a long journey of healing my relationship to money um, because a lot of our views on money, we pick up from our families. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what, however, our family talked about money, however, our parents talked about money or didn't talk about or didn't talk (laughs) about money. If they fought about money, you know, then it was like all of that stuff like can stick with you and becomes the foundation for how you look at, finances and wealth as an adult. And so um, I love that you're teaching your son. I think that's so important. And, and also um, as an adult, I feel like I have a lot of work to do. And like you said, that word reframing multiple times, like reframing around my own money beliefs and understanding to be not so intimidated by these concepts, but instead be like, oh, one, there's trustworthy, heart-led people that can help me like understand it. I can seek support in this area. And two, I'm actually like empowering myself through doing this. It's not, it, there's no shame here that doesn't, money doesn't have to be shameful. Money doesn't have to be, yeah, like all these stories we tell ourselves, um, you know, but to instead be like, I am worthy and deserving of having money and of understanding money and of knowing this information and I, my question for you is like, you, you say the words generational wealth. And I think there might be a lot of other people like me that have a, a history of like healing their relationship with money or yeah. needing to do that. And I think a lot of people put off planning or understanding this stuff because when you hear generational wealth, like my brain goes to like, Edward, like, uh, call the limo, and there's like a pug in the passenger seat. Like, that's the only people who need to worry about like generational wealth. Otherwise, if you're like a regular old person, you're like, what's wealth? You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, like, if you're thinking, well, I don't have a ton of assets, or what if someone lives in an apartment, or you know what I mean? What if they have a job that pays them $85,000 a year, like, and they don't have a six figure career, you know, yet or whatever, like, how do those people like, how does this play into everybody's life? And what, Mm -hmm. like, how do you make generational wealth less of like a scary sounding term? Everybody asks that question. They're like, generational wealth. Oh, that's not for me. That's for the uber wealthy people over there. The fact <laughs> yeah. is, it's for everybody because wealth is a lot less than people think. There was a study that was done back in 2017 that found that only 13% of college-educated African-Americans were getting $10,000 or more to the next generation, with the average amount wow. being passed around you know, $40,000 of that 13%. But they picked $10,000 as their barometer because they said it had the ability to be transformational in somebody's life. It could get someone out of a paycheck to paycheck cycle on an inheritance, right? It was enough to pull someone out of debt. It was enough to make an investment of those funds and have a meaningful return that could actually impact someone. That was wealth. And it's not as much as people think. It's not millions and millions of dollars, right? Yes, obviously that is also wealth, but (laughs) $10,000 has the ability to have an impact. If you have an investment Mm. account or you have a life insurance or you have, you know, a home or something of value that somebody didn't have to work for that they can benefit from you and you put a plan in place for how that should be leveraged then those next generations can then stand on that to keep building. That's generational wealth. It's not, I gave you a billion dollars. Good, good for you, Jeeves, come on, <laughs> right? That's not it. It's, it's putting in place building blocks so that the next generation is standing on your shoulders instead of starting over yeah. from zero. 
And unfortunately, in the United States, the majority of families are starting over from zero because they don't put any plans in place. Two billion dollars, mm. billion with a B, is lost every single year in the United States through a probate process, which is court process that is one hundred percent avoidable. Yeah, it's, it's avoidable, but yet yeah. we are losing everything that we're working for in this court process that is completely mm -hmm. unnecessary if you put a plan in place from the beginning. Yeah, because that's like if you don't have a plan, right? Like right. if you don't have your like living trust set up or like a plan for where your assets are going, then it just goes into probate, right? And that's a long process too, where it's like- And that depends on on the state. So <laughs> so it does depend on the state, right? In California, it's okay. an incredibly long process. Um, yeah. We have one of the more difficult probate processes than other places in the country. but lots of people don't know that even if you have a will, your will still has to go to court because it needs to be certified by a judge. And so too many people are mistakenly believe that they have this will and it's enough for them. And in reality, mm -hmm. what happens is they end up in this probate process. Any, the families end up in this probate process and they go, I don't understand how we got here. Right? They, they did a plan, but it's not the right plan. The, base, the baseline for anybody's estate plan needs to be what is the plan that is going to keep you out of court? And, mm. and that's your baseline level. If your plan is a living trust because you own a home or you have assets over $166,000 gross, so any and everything that you own is above that threshold, then your plan is gonna look like a trust and it's gonna be mm. some form of a trust-based structure. If it's below that, then it's what's considered to be a small estate and a will may be sufficient for that. You'd still have to go through mm -hmm. a court process, but it's much it's a much easier court process. Mm -hmm. That's your difference. And almost mm. everyone in California is going to be above that threshold. Almost, right? Not everyone. Yeah. But so many people have a car, they have, you know, retirement accounts, they have money in the bank, they might have a life insurance, they may have, you know, artwork and clothes and stuff and and you start adding all that stuff up and it's worth a lot more than you think because it doesn't matter yeah. how, much, how much debt there is. That's the other thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you, that car is worth $50,000 but you owe 40, it's still being assessed as $50,000. So it's very mm. easy to get to that threshold number and most people don't know that they have wealth, right? I want yes, to most people don't know they have wealth. Oh they my do. gosh. They do. That's perfect. That's exactly what I was, yeah, like what I was asking. Yeah. I, okay. There so you there go, is, people. There most you go. of you don't know. You actually have wealth. You do. Um, it doesn't feel like it, right? Because you have to work <laughs> for it. You're working for yeah. it every day. So it doesn't feel like wealth to you, but you have to remember yeah. that what that that what you can pass on to someone, that's the true wealth. That's the true yeah. generational wealth and protecting that is incredibly important because that's how it stays wealth, right? Mm -hmm. And actually benefits mm -hmm. them. Uh, we yeah. do actually, I, I've, I've been doing these courses with Royal Fireworks Press, which is uh, an online school out of New York for gifted kids, um, teaching on sort of the history of the racial wealth gap, but also this year we're doing uh, financial literacy. So building and protecting generational wealth and starting these kids off early. So we, we've got a winter session and then we're doing all of the spring semester. Um, but, you know, we're teaching budgeting, finance, et cetera. We can change the narrative in this country around wealth and start to close these wealth gaps by providing education, right? We mm. can't fix a problem if we don't know that there's a problem. Yeah. We can't win a game if we don't know the rules. And so yeah. there's more information than ever before available for people to access. There is no reason yeah. why any of us should be financially illiterate anymore. Ugh. Amen. Come on. <laughs> and like a big part of it is like just getting over that stuff that we learned when we were younger or yeah. like the money ideas we have and realizing just like anything else we work through hey, these are like little traumas or little stories or little things that like, actually, I just need to move on from because to me, I would want my hard work right now to be carried over. Like, right. it seems like a waste if I think about all the effort I'm putting in now to not family plan, to not do generational wealth planning, to not think about what am I passing down to my kids? What am I 
you know, setting up for my family, it just seems like a waste. Like we're, yeah, like you said, there's, you said there's over, a, a, there's billions of dollars, you said, right? That's two billion. Yeah. Two billion thrown away. Lost, approximately is lost, right? Through the probate process every year. So that's really hard earned wealth. Hard right? earned. That, that, it's yeah. hard earned. You went to work every day. And I got to tell you, I don't get up at, you know, five in the morning every day to like get this stuff started just to get, yeah. have, see it sort of redivided through a court process where it goes to court fees and creditors and all this stuff. And my son will maybe get whatever's left over. I don't yeah. work for that. No, I work no. because I want to make sure that he's set up. And yeah. know, another thing that we hear all the time is like, people are like, well, I want them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Like I had to, like, I don't want to give them all this stuff and they become these spoiled brats. You don't have to. In fact, when you have a plan, you can actually outline how they get this money and what they can use it for. Yes. So, you know, health, Perfect. education, maintenance, and safety. Yeah. You want them to be able to get a medical procedure and never, you know, not be able to afford it, but you don't want them going out and buying a Bugatti. You want to make sure yeah. that they have a roof yeah. over their head and food in their fridge yeah. that they won't go hungry. What have you provided them? You've provided yeah. them with the opportunity to try. When yeah. you know that you can't fail because you won't be on the street, how innovative can you be? What wouldn't you try if you knew that if you weren't successful, that you weren't going to yeah. be on the street? You'd try a lot, right? Yeah. And so many people with incredible ideas are stuck in a scarcity mentality that they can't get out of because of fear, real fear, that their family may end up on the streets if something doesn't work in the timely in a timely manner even if it's an incredible yeah. idea how much have mm -hmm. we lost in terms of intelligence and opportunities or access from people who just didn't feel like they could because of finances Ugh, how do we change wow that? that's deep i literally have goosebumps from you <laughs> saying that like thinking about the lost creativity and ideas and inspiration because people are just grasping to try to like maybe even put food on the table for their family instead of like if you're someone who works so hard and you could pass that down to your son who then has a good idea you know your son or daughter like who has a good idea and then they're they're set up for success and and here's the thing if you're afraid that your kid is gonna blow the money and like you said, buy the Bugatti or <laughs> buy drugs or whatever it is that you're afraid of. It's like, or gamble. It's like, well, that also comes down to what we teach them from a young age about money. If they have an understanding of the value of things, you know, and I feel yeah. like that's what we're trying to do in our household right now is, oh, we want hair products from Target. Can we go, can we go to Target today after school? Well, what chores did you do? Do you have yeah. money for that? Did you earn your hair products? You know what I mean? Because right. you're so deserving of them and we're totally happy to buy them for you or like give you, like help you earn the money. But how did you earn the money? How much do yeah. your hair products cost? Oh, and all of a sudden we realized this one product costs $20 and I need right. three things. Oh, I need $60 and I'm 13 years old. Okay. Well, how do you teach your kids then to like recognize the value of the stuff that they're buying or needing, that they're using, the things they're asking for? And then what work does it take to earn $60, you know? So then I might go, okay, well, this chore is worth 10. These dishes are worth 15. Cleaning out your closet and making a donation pile is worth another 15. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, if I want the $60 to get all my hair stuff right. from Target then I got to do this, 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 and this. And all of a sudden they're recognizing how money comes to them, how much things cost, how to budget, how to work hard in order to have what you want instead of just, you know, if we just hand our kids everything when they're young, then of course they're going to grow up and be like, things just get handed to right. me. So things just come I think that's to kinda, me. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> just falls in the, it falls falls in the, the sky. sky. I would yeah. say one thing, you know, that I really want to make sure we get to your listeners is, is that the ability to create financial freedom for your children is really and truly in your hands right? Everybody. Mm. It does not matter where you are. You may be working two jobs. You may, you know, whatever your financial situation, you can leverage that situation to create a better one for your family. There is mm. no one size fits all plan 
but there is a plan for everybody's situation. One of the easiest ways to create economics for the future is life insurance. It's one of the easiest ways to do it. And if you create a plan that puts that life insurance in place, you've created an economic event that is going to benefit your kids, right? Everybody's gonna die at some point. Sorry guys, we just are. So unless someone has found um, you know, the fountain of youth. And if you have, please email me separately, but like, unless you found the, fa- the fountain of youth, we're, we're, we all have an expiration date at some point in time. And what, yes. you know, some of these really fabulously wealthy families have done is, is leveraged that they've been able to use life insurance to create liquidity events. Every time somebody passes away, which provides more economics back into the family pot for people to start businesses, for people to buy houses, for people to, you know, get down payments, pay for college, et cetera. One person's life can have the ability to fund a lot of people's. And if you're fortunate enough to still have a parent or a grandparent alive and you're an adult, if you've got siblings, pool your resources. Collective economics is powerful. Get your siblings together and say, hey, let's get a life insurance on grandma. Not because we want her to die, but because when she does die, it will mean that we will have some additional liquidity inside of our families to do certain things. And it will not cost you as much as you think, but the return on that can be powerful. And that's a legacy she gets to leave, right? To say that her life transformed the generations that came after her. And once you've done it once, you can take that pool of money and use it to buy life insurance on the other people so that you can sort of rinse and repeat. It is not hard to create wealth if you sit down and have a plan. Yes, If we are spinning our wheels. Gotta make a plan. If if we are spinning our wheels and we are just working inside of the cog of the machine that exists, that machine is not built for you to build wealth, right? But if you stop for one second and you say, I'm going to get up an hour earlier today and I'm going to make a plan or I'm going to go to bed an hour later or I'm going to take my lunch break and I'm going to sit by myself and I'm going to yeah. write out a plan. Start with a budget. Mm-hmm. How much are your fixed expenses, right? Your rent, your mortgage, your car, anything that you have to pay for. How much is that? And, and yourself should be on there. Paying yourself first should be a fixed expense that's a part of your budget, Okay. So whether that be your life insurance or retirement accounts or whatever it is, create your fixed expenses, your variable expenses, right? How much money do you make? What is your debt? How much debt do you have? Put it, schedule it by interest rate and, and, and then really create a plan for how to do that. I'm not saying Dave Ramsey, I don't think his advice is, is great, right? But there are nuggets in there that can be really helpful for people. Invest, yeah. invest in the markets, invest early, invest often. I don't care how much you invest, but you have to start. If it's $5, yeah. if it's $10, just keep putting yeah. something in there. And if you're putting something yeah. small like that, buy, you know, and this is not financial advice, but look into, um, you know, high dividend stocks, something that once you own it, they're going to pay you more money for owning it because that can help yeah. you accumulate more fairly quickly. And so I just, I want to make sure that people have, love those have a plan, right? What does yeah. a plan look like? It's nice to say plan, but what yeah. do you mean? Like you know, this budget, is something we can debt. start doing like right Today. now. And you yeah. don't need anybody else for it. These are things that are 100% inside of your power and control. Mm. It only takes you. The only person that is stopping you from being wealthy and being successful in your personal life is you. And Woo! you can take you stop giving your way, your power away by not creating a plan. You are giving your power away to the courts, to the, to the government, to the, to the IRS, to all of these places. And then, and then looking back and going, I don't know why I don't, I'm not, I'm not wealthy. Yeah. But yeah. You are. And like you said, like taking, realizing so many people don't realize they actually do have wealth. Right. And we're all at a different place in our careers and our lives at a different level. But like you were saying, once you sit down and actually have an understanding of your finances, you have the power to make choices with your discretional income. Am I going to go shopping and buy that bag and go to Target and go to Starbucks? Or am I going to take that money and start making a plan to 
set up my retirement accounts, to set up my mutual funds, to pay into my life insurance policy. Like, you know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of women don't start doing that early enough. And that's why we're missing out. And so I love that we got to have this conversation today. Can and I like, give you one more chance? Ah. Yes, please. All right. So please, I know, I know we've got time, but I've got one more. I, you know, okay. Mentioned buying, I mentioned buying real estate, right? And that I've been yes. doing a lot of real estate buying. I'm a single parent. I'm a one income mm -hmm. household, right? And so that that is hard. The concept of of putting money into real estate and making those investments is incredibly difficult. Coming up with a 25% down payment was hard. But what I did was I, I, I reached out to my sister, who's also, uh, who's going through a divorce, who's now, you know, also a single parent, and her cousin, who's also a single mom, who, you know, was divorced a few years ago. And I said, hey, guys, here's this property. This is, here's the technical analysis on why I think that this is valuable. Here's what it would cost us to, to get in. What do you think? And they all said, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's build this legacy. And so we were able to use collective economics to start to build this these additional income streams for us because it wasn't mm -hmm. something that we necessarily could have done all on our own but by coming together we were able to close on this property now fun fact about that my down payment portion that third of, of that 25 percent came from my life insurance policy so i didn't have to sell any of my stocks or take money out of yeah. bank or anything else i was able to do a, a policy loan against the cash value in my life insurance policy take that money mm -hmm. out tax-free, roll it over into this other investment without messing up any of my other finances. And so yeah. when we start to think about the power of a plan, five years ago when I got that life insurance, I didn't think that that's what I was gonna use it for. I knew that I needed yeah. that life insurance to protect for my son if something should happen to me and as I continued to fund it, I thought, okay, well, this will also be good for me in retirement, a longer term plan. And mm -hmm. then in the short term, the, the more I studied, right, what was going on with money in the markets and et cetera, I yeah. realized how much I could leverage that. And so now the rents that we receive, yeah. the income that comes back from this, this rental property that we purchased, my portion of that, of that rental income is going to go to paying back that loan so that when it's time to do the next property together, um, that loan will be available for me to tap back into. So when yeah. I say a plan, having, um, having a life insurance policy, and they're not all the same, right? So you need to go talk to an, uh, an insurance broker to make sure you understand what's right for you. But having that plan and putting a little bit away to pay yourself first inside of something like that was multi-purpose. And anybody, yeah. anybody can do it. So I just yeah. want to let people know that you do have that power wholeheartedly to create mm -hmm. change in your life. It's not, it's not quick. There's no quick fixes, um, but time, consistency, protection, money is guaranteed to grow. Yeah. You just have to. I opened my, my retirement accounts, my mutual funds and my life insurance policy years and years ago when I was like, yo, I have like. $800 of discretional income a month. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that's it. And, you know, was starting my career and still found a way to like put towards my future. And then as your career grows, you get to be like, Hey, I have a little more now. Hey, I have a little more now. Hey, where can I put this? And then it's like, you said, like I have, you, you build a plan so that you can have those resources and tools. And it's like almost all these little like tricks that nobody teaches us or stuff that we don't know. And like you said, we go around thinking we're not, well, we don't have wealth or we don't have opportunity or we don't, I could never do this or that. And I, ideas and inspirations getting lost when really we could empower ourselves to like realize that we actually have a lot more choices, a lot more power, a lot more opportunity if we really, um, dive into this, you know, money conversation. So, wow. I learned so much from you today. I love listening to you talk. I feel like you make it seem, I don't want to say easy, but like, it seems stress-free. Like, you know, I like that you're like in your house with your Christmas decorations and <laughs> you're not in the suit and pantyhose <laughs> and you're like, never hey. again, never you're again. Like, this is, yeah. You're like, this is how we talk about money. You know, this is how we make things happen. And I'm like, well, shoot, 
let's go then, you know? And I just feel like it makes it sound like simpler, I guess. Like, although it's complex, I'm like, it's doable. It's simple. It's not rocket science. Like I could start today. And so I feel really inspired and um, thanks for sharing everything from like your journey and, and personal, you know, life and care to your business, to just tips and tools for us to like be able to go out there and empower ourselves and do better. Um, can you just tell everyone before we finish? I know you have meetings today. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Can yeah, you tell everyone who's listening how they can find you? So social media, TikTok, Instagram, website, anything that y'all coming up? Yeah. So our easiest way is woodlegalgroup.com. Uh, that's our website. We're Wood Legal Group on Instagram. Um, also Black Trust Fund Kids on Instagram and TikTok and Clubhouse um, and YouTube, ah, where we share lots of tips, but there's a free resource library on our website um, that has a lot of information to really helps the conversation. So I think that's a really important place to start. Just start educating yourself. Bryn, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Thank you, Portia. I appreciate you. And everybody go find Portia, check out the website, check out the resources, and you can always reach out to her um, you know, on social and send a message or through the website as well. And, um, thank you so much. I love this.